So we're teaching along the lines of living in righteousness. The Lord gave me, I believe, four phases or four things about righteousness. Number one, the gift of. Number two, the force of. Number three, the effect of. And number four, the fruits of righteousness. And last week we looked at the fact that the Apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We noted that Jesus was continuously talking about who he was, what his mission was, and where he was going. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. And so just as Jesus modeled declaring and confessing who he was, it behooves us to declare and confess who we are now, that we're born of God and that we are in Christ Jesus. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I am, you are, the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. I am, and you are, a new creation. Yes. Say with me, I am, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and I am a new creation. Another great in him and in Christ scripture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. It says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus. Do you know that you look a whole lot better in Christ than you do out of him? Amen. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So we could declare this, I'm filled with the wisdom of God, I am righteous in His sight, I'm sanctified by the blood, and I'm redeemed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, because I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. He is the hope, He is the expectation of the very glory of God being manifested in our lives, in our nation, in our state for the glory of God. Woo, glory to God. Well, I've already preached myself happy. Thank you very much. Drive safely. Glory to God. And so, just as you carry your identification with you, you should everywhere you go, you need to carry these truths with you for your entire life. And one thing that you can do then to carry them is to remind yourself of them daily. Remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself of what you can do. Remind yourself of where you are in Christ Jesus. That you're in union with Him. That you're co-seated with Him. That you're an heir of God and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now, let's look at James chapter 1 verse 22. James, the first chapter, and the 22nd verse says this, But be ye... Now notice what it doesn't say. It does not say, but be ye notters of the word. It does not say, be ye note-takers of the word. It doesn't say, be seminar-goers of the word. And being a notter of the word is a good thing because you're saying you're in agreement with it. 
And being a note taker is a blessed thing as well. Because you can refer to that in the future. And going to conferences, oh my goodness, there's been some, wow, some Holy Ghost conferences this summer. I mean, from Tulsa to Fort Worth to all over the place, God is moving. And so I'm not underestimating the value of that, but what I am estimating and placing a great value on is not just being a nodder of the Word, not just being a note-taker of the Word, not just being a seminar-goer of the Word, but being a doer. Being a doer of God's Word activates the faith that He has placed on the inside of you. And a major way that we express that we're doers of the work. You see, faith is acting on what you believe. In simple terms. That's what Fred Price said many years ago. He said, faith is simply acting on what you believe. So you believe the Word of God in your heart. And then a major way in addition to acting on the Word, is expressing faith-filled words along with what you believe. Be doers of the Word. I heard this from Keith Moore many years ago. He said, I believe he said it this way, the number one way that we become doers of the Word of God is by speaking God's Word. It is important to say what he said. It is important for us to take His Word, believe it, say it, and act upon it. So thank God. Say it with me. I am a doer. I am a doer of the Word of God. And so we talked about the gift of righteousness. And Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the what? The gift of righteousness, what will they do? They will reign in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally, the Amplified says they shall reign in as kings in life. You see, when you got born again, it was your father's good pleasure. Young's literal translation says in Luke 12, 32, he said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the reign. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the keys. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you kingdom dominion and kingdom authority over all the powers of hell. Amen. And so we need to take the reins. We need to take our place and exercise our dominion and exercise our authority. If we want to live in righteousness and see the victory that we just sang about, we need to make sure that whatever needs to be bound in our lives is bound. And whatever needs to be loosed in our life should be loosed. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Charles Capp said many years ago, he says, if bind and don't fix it, loose it. Amen. So we have been given and elevated to this place in Christ Jesus, where as we pray the eyes of our understanding be flooded with light, we'll be able to see things from His perspective. We'll be able to look at things through the filter of God's Word. And as we look at things through the filter of God's Word, we can pray God's Word over what needs to be prayed about, and then we have the ability to pray in the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. We got any Holy Ghost prayers here? Do we have any wind talkers in the house? We got any wind speakers? I'm going to talk about the Navajos on Wednesday night, the wind talkers. They had a special code. And you and I have a special code in the realm of the Spirit. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, we are praying divine mysteries. When you and I pray in the Holy Ghost, brothers and sisters, we are praying the perfect... We're praying the perfect will of God. There is a perfect will of God. And it comes by the Word and by praying in the Holy Ghost. So it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the rain. Don't let the devil push you around. You start pushing him around. Don't let the devil sit there and talk to you all day. You talk back. I mean, sometimes I think we need to get a little sassy where the devil's concerned. Mr. Devil, I don't know whether you can read it or not, but right here in Matthew eight seventeen, it says, Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Amen. So we're reigning in, as kings in life. Amen. Well, that's not my message, but it's good anyhow. Now, let's move on to the second piece of this, what I believe the Lord gave me, and that is the force of righteousness. We've looked at the gift, and now let's take a look at the force of righteousness. I did look up the word force, and the word force means simply power, energy, or might. This gift of righteousness... When we live in righteousness, there is power flowing from us. There's energy flowing from us. There's mighty things that happen when you take your place in righteousness. And so let us talk for a moment about the force of righteousness. Now, notice with me in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. I want you to notice the context of verse 23 by looking at verse 21. 20, 21, and 22. In verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them where? Keep them in the midst of your heart. How important is it for us to attend to the word? Put it first place. How important is it for us to be in church? So that we can incline our ear to His saints. How important is it for us to keep the Word in the midst of our heart? It goes on to say in verse 22, why? For they are life to those that find them. And they are health, or literally they are medicine to some of their flesh. No, they're medicine to all their flesh. Amen. But now notice in the context of that, he said in verse 23, keep thy heart. Now, literally, the word keep there means protect. And when he's talking about your heart there, he's talking about your spirit. So in this context, he reminds him, now, protect your heart. Protect your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate. Protect your senses. Keep your heart. Protect your spirit. Diligently. Diligently. God's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Keep your heart with all diligence. Now notice, for out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life. The Amplified says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, 
For out of it flows the springs of life. Young's translation says, Above every charge keep thy heart, for out of it are the outgoings of life. I like that. I looked up Strong's definition of issues, and literally, Young confirms that. The literally means the outgoings of your spirit. In other words, protect your heart. Because there are some things that God has put in your heart. Amen. That he wants to spring forth out of your life. That he wants to have these things going out of your life and making a difference in your life and for your life. I like that definition. So righteousness is a spiritual force. And it is in your heart. Faith is a spiritual force. And it is in your heart. Faith is of the heart. Righteousness is of the heart. Wisdom is of the heart. How many of you know that the love of God is of the heart? Because he says the love of God is shed abroad in our heads. Now you live up here, you get in trouble. We've been called to live out of this. Out of your heart. Out of your heart. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. By the Holy Ghost. This righteousness which is a gift is in your heart. It's who you are and what you have. We could call it the outgoing or the forces or the force of righteousness. Protect your spirit. Because out of your spirit will flow the forces of life. Will flow the issues, the force of righteousness. And oh, it is a powerful flow. Now, there are some things that will try to distract us and keep us from allowing righteousness to flow through us and from us. And we'll talk about some of those things in a little bit. Now, when we live in this place, hallelujah, when righteousness is functioning as it should function, when this force of righteousness is flowing out of our spirit, there comes a removal of debris. (laughs) There comes a removal of things that the enemy has placed in our life that should not be there. For example, look with me at Isaiah chapter 54, a very, very familiar verse of Scripture. Isaiah 54 verse 14, In righteousness you shall be established. Pastor, why are you teaching on righteousness? To establish and reestablish these truths in our lives. And so he says, in righteousness thou shalt be established. And when you become established in righteousness, here's one of the results of it. You will be far from oppression. What I'm saying is this. A righteousness consciousness trumps a sin consciousness. And a righteousness consciousness flowing out of our lives will remove and dissipate the oppression that the enemy has made available to us. In righteousness you'll be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. Let's try that one on for size right now and say it with me in the name of Jesus. I'm being established in righteousness. And I declare that I am far from oppression. Oppression is not God's will. 
God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healed all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So we see then that it can remove the debris, the distraction of oppression. And not only that, but thou shalt not fear. You know, knowing you're the righteousness of God in Christ is basically right standing with God. And if you can both go before the throne of grace without a sense of fear, guilt, or inferiority, you can surely stand before the enemy in the name of Jesus and you can put him on the run. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Somebody praise God with me. Thou shalt be far from oppression. For you will not fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley. I'm not camping there. I, I go through some things. I've been through some things. You go through some things. You've been through some things. You're going through some things right now. But yea, though we walk through. We don't buy a t-shirt and says valley guy or valley girl. (laughs) Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For the all-righteous one is with me, and he has placed me in union with him. Therefore, I'm not afraid of anything. Hallelujah. You shall be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear. And not only that, and from terror. For it shall not come near you. Now we know one of the biggest words since 9-11 has been terrorism. Terrorism is a plan and a plot of the enemy to instill fear in the people of God. We do not have to be afraid of terror. We are not those that are bowing our knee to terror. Terror bows our knees to the name of Jesus. And so when you live in this place, when you live in this consciousness, you just know that no evil is going to befall you. Neither does any plague come nigh your dwelling. Because he's given his angels charge over you, and they will keep you in all your ways. Amplified says this, You shall establish yourself in righteousness, rightness, now notice this, in conformity to God's will and order. You will be, I love this, you will be far even from the thought of oppression. (laughs) The thought's going to come. But you don't have to take it. You'll be far from even the thought of oppression. Let's read on. Or destruction. For you shall not fear and from tear. Say with me. For it shall not. It shall not. Come near me. And so we see this removal of oppression. This removal of fear. Through this issue of life, through this outgoings, if you will, of love and faith and righteousness. Philippians 1.28 says this, And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof and seal to them of their impending destruction. But a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and your salvation and that from God. 
I think of Billy Brim when I read that verse because that's the first time I really heard that verse explained to me. And incidentally, we did get a call from her office, so we're holding fast that she's going to be able to come in November. Who will agree with me? What about the rest of you? You're not already at Sizzler's, are you? Huh? I read the menu at Black Bear Diner several times, and it's not half as good as what you're getting right now. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Glory to God. And so as Billy was teaching this, she says, it's like a neon sign, blinking, blinking, blinking. And it's a message to the devil. We're not afraid of you. And it's a sign and it's a signal. When you live fearlessly, when you live righteously, it's a sign and a signal that their impending doom is about to come. Amen? Amen. And your full salvation is also on the menu. So, when we, how are we doing? Everybody doing good? So, when we live with this righteous consciousness... It will remove guilt. It will remove condemnation. It will remove inferiority. It will remove rejection. And it will remove shame. All those things come to every one of us. And that's why there must be a continual renewing of our mind to these truths. So that we can stand against those things. So that we can keep them in bay and remove them out of our lives. You know, a person can be born again and still have a sin consciousness. Constantly having guilt consciousness on their mind. Constantly thinking about their past and, and their failures, failures and then their weaknesses. You know, one of the things that determine who you are and your potential in life is what psychologists call genetic determinism. Genetic determinism simply means that your parents made you what you are and your problem is in your genes. Well, I thank God through the new birth, I've been regened. <laughs> I've got Jesus in my genes. You've got Jesus in your genes. You've got Jesus in your jersey. Woo, glory to God. We've been regened, regenerated. God has connected your genetic structure to the Lord Jesus Christ. The same qualities in Christ are in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank God for Levi's jeans. Thank God for all the other jeans, Joe's jeans, whatever kind of jeans are out there. But these are the kind of jeans you want. You want Jesus in your life. You want Jesus in your jeans. Amen. By applying the blood of Jesus to your life. So when you get born again, listen to this. The devil has no evidence against you. Now he tries to bring his evidence, does he not? Before the throne of God. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he will accuse us before the throne of God day and night. Trying to prove, trying to show that this person did that. Raul did that. 
Mike did that. Jeffrey did that. Or is it Jeff? Did I get it right? Yeah, thank you. So he's a... How many of you know the devil is a liar? But he is a persistent cuss. And so he's always trying to bring an accusation and a charge against you, Paul. Against our lives. Now notice with me, I wonder if you wore at least a portion of your shouting clothes today. Look look at Romans 8, verse 33 and 34. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? (laughs) It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Hey, didn't give it any time. It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, there is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who is making intercession for you daily. It is Him who has declared you righteous. It is God who has justified you. So, when He brings His accusations and charges against you, here's what God says. Okay, let's check the DNA. Okay, all right now. No, that's not the same person. That person is dead and gone. Because you're literally a brand new person in Christ Jesus. And incidentally, we overcome those accusations by what? The blood of the Lamb. And the word of our... What's your testimony? What's your testimony? What are you saying? What are you carrying? What are you declaring? The Word of God, conceived in your spirit, formed by the tongue, becomes creative power that will work for you. That's a direct quote from Charles Capp's little book on confessions. Say with me, the Word of God, conceived in my spirit, formed by the tongue, will become creative power that will work for me. So get your motor running. Get your mouth a-moving. Get your lips declaring. Get your praise on every day. Hey, get up in the morning and start doing a little dance. I heard a song the other morning that just so blessed me by Bishop Eddie James called You Should Have Been There. I got down there, praise God. Brenda was still in bed. I was down in the family room and I said, Woo, glory to God, I'm dancing. You should have been there. <laughs> well, you were there because when Jesus became your substitute, you were on his mind, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Hallelujah. So this force of righteousness, these outgoings of righteousness functioning in our lives, it removes guilt, condemnation out of our soul. Now let me look at a very familiar verse of scripture with you.
You guys listen so good, you might get out before 2 o'clock. Wow. Somebody says, that's the will of God. John 3.16. Look at these verses. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. What if we don't believe in Him? Well, then we perish. Well, is it God's will for men to perish? No. It's God's will for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Shall perish. But have everlasting life. Now notice with me in verse 17 and 18. For God did not send His Son into the world to shame the world or to condemn the world or to put the world down. He came into the world to lift the world from their heavy burdens, to lift the world out of their sin, to lift them, that the world through Him might be saved. Now notice this next verse. But he that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that, believe not, that, he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Very, very interesting. I want you to notice that phrase in the front end of that verse. Save me, he that believeth in Jesus is not condemned. This seems like a very simple truth. But this is the key to living free from condemnation. What is the key? Simply believing in His substitutionary sacrifice. Believing in the great exchange. Believing that He took our place. He took our guilt. He took our condemnation. Thank God He took our condemnation. He took our shame. Woo! Glory to God. Now you and I can rise up boldly and say, thank God there is therefore now. No. Now here's another in Christ. Romans 8, 1, I believe. There is therefore now. Not next week. Not when we get to heaven. There is therefore what? Now. Point at your neighbor and say, now. No condemnation. Now notice, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who do good works. Huh? To them that pray 12 hours a day. See, that would be based on works. It's not of our works, it's by His works that you and I have been regenerated. So there is therefore now no condemnation. Here it is. To them which are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? In union with Him. Joined with Him. And because you are now in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Now incidentally now, the rest of the verse says this. It would behoove us to not walk after the flesh. 
but after the Spirit. What the flesh does, how can I say that? What, what the flesh does, it clouds these truths. Living in the flesh causes this force of righteousness to lie dormant. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. But if you live a fleshly, me mindset, selfish life, this righteousness is going to be hindered in our lives. But that ain't you. Oh, I thought I'd get a bigger amen than that. That ain't you. That's not you. That's not you. We're living in, we're walking in, we're speaking in the Spirit of the living God. Oh, glory to God. Let me quote a friend of mine. He said this, You will never get God's blessings as long as you live with a sense of condemnation, guilt, and unworthiness. How many of you have ever read the book by Smith Wigglesworth, Ever Increasing Faith? Smith Wigglesworth was an apostle of faith. The man was anointed and he was bold. Very bold. If you read some of his sermons and some of his books, you'll see how bold he was. It's because the anointing was on him. And the anointing will make you bold. He tells the story in this book of praying for an Episcopalian priest who wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you know God will fill anybody with the Holy Ghost that's saved? He'll fill Baptists. He'll fill Catholics. I'm telling you right now, in Rome, there's a ton of charismatic priests speaking in tongues. There's a ton of nuns in Rome and in Italy speaking in tongues. Glory to God. You know, He satisfies the longing soul. And He fills those are hungry for these specific gifts now Smith started to pray for him and the priest fell down on his knees and began to say oh God oh God make me clean make me holy make me clean Wigglesworth I told you was bold said stop old man I thought you were saved if you are saved you are holy. If you are saved, you are worthy. The man said, well, I am, aren't I? <laughs> you see, the eyes of his understanding began to get flooded with light. He said, I am righteous. And he lifted up his hands and got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues right there. Now, this is a hindrance for some people. They think that they're not worthy to receive the gifts that God's given them. But your worthiness is not based on you. Your worthiness is based on Him. The gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of God, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is for those who have hungry hearts and know that they've become the righteousness of God in the end. Listen to these verses in Colossians 1.22. Here's a scripture that will help us. It says, In the body of his flesh, this is talking about his substitutionary sacrifice. In the body of his flesh, through death, he presented you holy, unblameable, and unreproachable, where? In his sight. 
In other words, that's how he sees you. And when you get your mind renewed, that's how you will see yourself. Now notice in the uh, NLT it says this. He has brought you into his own presence. That's a great thing. He has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless. You stand before him without a single fault. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Can we just praise God for that? Hallelujah. The force of righteousness. Glory to God. Holy and unblameable before him in his sight. Oh, Jesus. I know for a lot of people that's a tough thing. But you keep at it. You keep at these truths. And sooner or later, these truths will drop into your heart. And when these truths drop into your heart, you'll come boldly. You'll come fearlessly. You won't come arrogantly, but you will come before His presence. Now listen to this, with a sense of belonging. You belong to Him. He belongs to you. And His ears are open. And His heart is filled with compassion. He knows what we face. He knows what we're going through. And He says, come on, son. Is there an angel speaking? That's not Brenda's voice. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Like I just said. (laughs) 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 Woo, glory to God. Well, I don't know where I was, but I'm going to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Glory to God. Save me for the Lord is good. And His mercy endureth forever. Come on, a couple more times. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endureth forever. One more time. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endureth forever. And so there is this invitation to come along into His presence. And His presence covers us all he's not too busy to talk to you he's not too busy to have a conversation with all of us at the same time he's God he's omniscient he's omnipotent he's all knowing and his ears are open to the prayers of his people and he's wanting his people to throw off the shackles of condemnation and fear and inferiority and just come as they are. Because who you are is more than enough for Him. Because it's whose you are in Christ Jesus. Don't allow the enemy to talk you out of your prayer life. Just because you were a rascal last week. 
I'm familiar with being a rascal. I know what it's like to be a rascal. Just ask Brenda. But I'm also very familiar with 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? There you go. Hallelujah. Say with me, His presence is more than enough for me. Mm-mm-mm. Glory to God. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Just go ahead and pray a little bit in the Holy Ghost. We come right now, Lord. We come as a congregation corporately now before the throne of grace. And we've just come to thank you. We've come to worship you. We've come to give you praise. And we've come to thank you, Lord, for your great mercy, your loving kindness, and your faithfulness toward our lives, Lord. Oh, Lord, we know that we didn't deserve it. But because of Christ Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Oh, we worship you. Magnify your holy name. The moment that we are in Him, we have access to the fullness of God. And we are complete in Him. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. No other human being can complete us. No job can complete us. There is nothing in this world that can complete us. But Jesus, when He came into our hearts, we became complete in Him. This force, this issue, this power of righteousness will remove rejection from your soul. I know some of us and some of you were rejected when you were younger. I know that people go through hellish things of bullying. I know things like that happen. But now we're beyond that. We've moved out of darkness and we've moved into the light. And I love what Ephesians 1 says in verse 3 through 6. And Pastor Tom, if you'd come. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just let these verses resonate in your heart. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say with me, I'm in Christ. And I am blessed. With all blessings in Christ. Verse 4, according as He has chosen us. Now notice, in Him, in Christ. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Are you ready to shout it? Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted. Whoa! Glory to God. You are not the rejected. You are the accepted, complete 
heir of God, joint heir with Jesus Christ, new creation, righteousness of God in him, more than a conqueror, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. Let's stand up, everybody. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. I know I sense you got something over there. Go for it, honey. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As Pastor was reading Colossians chapter 1, and we don't need to put it up on the screen, but I looked at it in the Passion, Colossians 1.21. I just want to emphasize something it said here. Even though you were distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, this word just jumped out at me, he reconnected you back to himself. There's some reconnection happening in the house today. You know what it's like if you have a device and you're trying to charge it? I've had this happen many times and I go back and what's wrong? It didn't charge. It wasn't fully connected to the plug. And some of you have allowed condemnation to affect your connection with the power source like pastors already preached but this just stood out so strong today as i read this he wants you to reconnect with him it doesn't mean that you're not born again but it means that you've allowed some things to mess with that connection and one big thing is condemnation but then the last verse here in 22 and it says now there There is nothing between you and the Father God, for He sees you holy, flawless, and restored. So those two words just jumped out off of the page at me as I was reading that. Be reconnected if you've let anything mess with that connection and receive full restoration of the peace of God, of the joy of your salvation. If that speaks to anybody, wave your hand at me today. Hallelujah. Right now, Father, we just thank you by the spirit of the living God. We take the life of the word that we have heard today and those that may be dealing with condemnation, those that have allowed things to mess with their relationship where they are fully connected to you, dear precious Jesus. We ask you right now by the Spirit of God for those reconnections and that restoration to take place so that we may enjoy Rich, rich, rich fellowship with Him in the mighty name of Jesus. So there comes a restoration, a connection, a restoration of fellowship. Amen. Yes. You can reconnect with Christ. Amen. Yes, that's right. Gotten away from Him. If you don't know Jesus, you can make Him your Lord right now.